The Wholeness Network. Awaken to the reality of wholeness. Bridget Cook Birch is the New York Times and Wall Street Journal best-selling author whose books have been showcased on Oprah, Dateline, and Good Morning America, among many others. Following an intense near-death experience, Bridget learned how to bring light into the darkest places of humanity. She became captivated with the hero's and shero's journey, beginning in all places, chronicling the stories of entrenched gang members in Denver. Her own human struggle gave her courage to write some of the most compelling stories of leaders on the planet. One of the most fulfilling life callings has been as executive director of Shiro's United, a nonprofit that supports and empowers women and families. Bridges' greatest passion is training hundreds of authors and emerging leaders to rise from their circumstances, no matter how difficult, into a life of passion, great adventure, and positive contribution. Bridget invites you to her inspired writers' retreats and leadership adventures in beautiful settings such as Italy, Ireland, India, and the stunning vistas of Utah. The power of words transformed Bridget's life. She believes in that power to change the world. Tell us a little bit about your transformational moment. I would love to. <laughs> everything changed from that moment forth, that's for sure. So, um, uh, like a lot of women, you know, I grew up not really feeling grounded, not understanding the worth of an individual, especially my worth. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'd had six parents by the time I was six months old, three sets of parents. Mm-hmm. And there was a part of me that always said, you know, the, um, the big people are going to leave because you're not good enough. So there was this story that was playing in my head. And um, I ended up in college working three jobs and going to school. And I I absolutely felt that I was just this big in God's eyes. Like I was minuscule and I was nothing. And no matter what I did, I couldn't really prove my worth, mm-hmm. although I tried. Um, and then I had that flip rebellious side too, right? Like, <laughs> well, what the heck? I'm just going to go, you know, yeah. party and do all these things anyway. So there's this part of me that wanted to become a nun. And I even took several religious classes and things. And there was this great pull mm-hmm. to me for acknowledgments between me and God. Not that I needed to be validated mm-hmm. ne- necessarily, but the mysteries of God were really intriguing to me. And then there was this other like worldly, I'm going to go out, I'm going to kick some butt and take some names. But on this deep intrinsic level, I did not feel worthy. Mm. And so I ended up in the hospital and I had holes and fissures in my colon and I had some other diseases that were going on and everything culminated in, I felt really rotten and went to see my mom. So I drove down the canyon from Logan, went to see my mom. She took one look at me. I'd lost 30 pounds in three days. I was mm-hmm. completely white and emaciated. She took me straight over to the doctor's office where I collapsed. And then, fortunately, the hospital was right next door. And they, they took me in and, and they um, pulled out pints and pints and pints of infection from my body. And then they had to put me on intravenous antibiotics. 
And so, you know, a lot of people have these stories and, and, and I understand, but what was so profound for me mm-hmm. was listening to two nurses out in the corridor who didn't think that I could hear them say, she's not going to make it until morning. We better call her mom to come back. My mom had brought in a priest who had given me a blessing. I felt a little bit better. Like, if I lived or died, it would be okay. But there was this piece of me that said, you have not fulfilled the measure of your creation. I just knew it. I didn't know what that was. But I was so sad because I knew that I had not done what I had come here to do. Something inside of me just knew that. Well, I ended up having a different kind of blessing in a Mack truck sort of moment of surrender. What was amazing was I had the most incredible light and presence that filled my room. Mm -hmm. There was an angel and then there was this holy presence and um, completely changed my life. Like I was in my body and I was above my body and I'm watching everything and I was a part of everything. And my cells vibrated, and my bedside table was vibrating, everything with this unconditional love. And it totally changed me. Like, here we're in the studio with all these beautiful lights. There was just the most amazing light, and it filled every cell. And I was told I was being given a second chance at life. And so I decided to take it. (laughs) And when I got out of the hospital, the most beautiful thing was to be able to look into the mirror and see love there for the very first time. And then I could look into the eyes of anyone on the planet and I could see love there. Mm -hmm. So when I ended up getting married and we moved to Denver, um, I, I wasn't supposed to be able to have children. And no one was more shocked than my doctor to find out that, you know, I was pregnant. (laughs) So I had my daughter and moved to Denver and it was like, what could I do to be with her? Because I was expecting to go off and live this professional life and, you know, do these other things. I want to be an envoy in Washington, D.C. There was just all these dreams. And then this miraculous little tiny beautiful baby girl. So it was like, what can I do to honor being a mom? And, you know, have a professional life at the same time. I would love to write. But then I ended up working with gang kids and writing their stories. The ones who had just been through the depths of hell had come out on the other side and their eyes were open. And they were looking at life in a different way. And so it just, it absolutely changed my life where I let go of so much judgment, not everything. (laughs) I think we, that's part of our human genius that we really, you know, are our own worst critics so much, but that unconditional love, it was like with every person that I met was the desire to recreate that love that I had felt. And so without judgment, I had the opportunity to look with gang kids and then eventually the families of serial killers and cultists and um, just remarkable people on the planet who have had boxes of beliefs that they lived in until someone loved them enough to show them a different way. And then the transformation that's possible, the light that can come in to any soul of any darkness and create major change. So I fell in love with the human soul at that point, and then I have just been uh, enthralled with storytelling ever since. The stories we tell ourselves, because after that experience in the hospital, the story I told myself was so dramatically different and allowed me to experience things and expand my opportunities and be so much more than I had ever anticipated. 
and to know that I could fulfill the measure of my creation, right? And then to see that in other human beings, it was like, oh, you know, that we're the masters of our own souls and that there is a, a great divine being that watches over every one of us. You know, there's a bigger plan, which is beautiful. And part of that mystery and that glory is discovering what that is for each one of us. So I don't have all the answers, but I love what I experience. (laughs) How did you get involved in telling their story? How did that start? Well, it was, um, it was kind of intriguing. I, uh, was asked by the YWCA if I would do their newsletter. And so it was like this volunteer position where my daughter got to go in and, and play with other kids for a little bit. And I got to write, which was just, you know, like this delicious side habit kind of thing. And then a gentleman had watched me with the, with the teenagers and I didn't know he was a member of the board, but he also ran a place called community learning centers. Mm-hmm. And it was all these um, high-risk youth centers. Mm-hmm. So kids that had gotten into some sort of trouble or having difficulty in mainstream social life because of gang affiliations or violence or other things in their background. Mm-hmm. And so community learning centers was helping them to transition back into society with a healthier mindset. Mm-hmm. And he had been watching what I'd been doing. And he mm-hmm. said, how would you like to come work for us as a contractor? We need someone to do our newsletter, interview these kids. Mm-hmm. And oh, it was such a tremendous opportunity. I'll never forget. Oh, wow. That's amazing. So when you talked about um, people needing to recognize their story and seeing a new way of thinking. Mm-hmm. So and for yourself, you, you, looking back, you recognized you didn't know your worth yeah. at the time. What is it like during the time? You know, when you're working with these people, mm-hmm. there's a whole bunch of um looking back and and hindsight that's the word right hindsight Mm -hmm. what is it like for the people what is it like in the middle what is it like right when they don't when they're not aware what what are some signs that we can share do you know what i'm trying to say when they're not aware of the power of their own story and yeah well or 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 the 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 closed-mindedness or the, the teachings that are having them focus just in one area. And, and, you know, you said they, they're able to open up and when they can see it, then they, then they're, they heal. Right. So what, what keeps them there? Tell us a little bit about that part of their stories. Does that make sense? Yeah. Well, I think one of the things that helped me to see it so dramatically in the beginning was with these game kids, a lot of them grew up several generations in, right? So right. mom and dad, grandma and grandpa, and uncle, all gang members. Yeah. And so here's this box that they see life in. It was almost like their religion. Yeah. So this is how you had to see life. And then all of a sudden, um, you know, like we would take them on river rafting trips. Okay. And these were kids that had grown up in the concrete jungle. And then all of a sudden it's like, whoa. And you would watch leaders become frightened because they couldn't control certain situations and you would see some of the quieter ones that suddenly would show up in their leadership, you know? And especially what I saw was when a a counselor or a a staff member loved a kid enough Mm -hmm. to say, you know, there's more to life than just this view. There's 360 degrees of glorious possibilities. And sure, you could go do this drug deal. You can shoot this guy because he killed your cousin. But you have all these other choices to make. And then it was like, yeah. you mean I'm the captain of my own soul? Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And that's when I would watch extraordinary things happen. 
I love that. Mm-hmm. I love I love the idea of possibilities. Like when I work with people, I say that is a possibility. Right. Like you have to honor what they could do mm-hmm. and what they have done. Yeah. You know what I mean? And um and that's that I think is healing for people to say there's just another choice. It's not it's not go into reverse and back up and go the other way. It's open it opens up instead. Is that exactly. So a brand new chapter, mm-hmm. a brand new direction, mm-hmm. a brand new life is possible. Yeah. So when you looked in the mirror before you saw love, do you know what do you remember what that was like? Yeah, because I I couldn't look into my own eyes. You know, I'd do my makeup you know, and I would yeah. just check the reflection, yeah. but I couldn't see the beauty of my own soul. Mm-hmm. I couldn't see the worth there. And I, I couldn't even, you know, have a conversation with myself or even look. And so, um, it was, it was like, I, I, I was just closed off with my own story and that was all that I understood. So being able to see this with these young kids and what would happen in their life when, all of a sudden there would be an extension of themselves. That's also too when I went to write my first book. So we knew we were going to move from Denver back to Utah to be closer to family. We had family in Utah and Idaho. And um, Columbine had taken place, and that was a really profound experience to be living in Colorado during one of those first um, shootings. And that was another place where I saw story and the stories we were telling ourselves, right? So um, when I knew we were moving back, I thought, I want to bring some of this openness, this ability to forgive the redemption mm-hmm. back with me to Utah, because you know sometimes this was considered a closed-minded area, yeah. right? And so I thought, wouldn't it be beautiful to write a story about, you know, a fictional novel about mm-hmm. a young man who's a gang member, and he walks away from his gang, has a price tag on his head, and of course, it had to be a love story and, you know, and a love story. Mm-hmm. Here's the thing. One night in the middle of the night, I had a dream. And I woke up and I was so excited because I had character scenes, plots, even eye color. Like, I had wow. the makings of the most incredible novel. I'm doing the happy dance. It's <laughs> yeah. like 2 o'clock in the morning. My family's sleeping. I run downstairs and I'm just writing, 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 writing. I wrote from 2 a.m. until 10 a.m. Oh, and I'm like, I have the makings of the most incredible novel, you know? And I'm thinking to myself, bestseller. Like, yeah. <laughs> but what I was so excited about was the storyline and what it could do for young people was what my thought was. Yeah. But here's the crazy part was that I worked with like Nuestra Familia and the Bloods and the Crips and these kids. And in my dream, it was specifically a neo-Nazi skinhead. I didn't know much about neo-Nazis. So I'm like, I got to do some research, right? So I did background research for my book and and all of these things. And I got to tell you that um, I had to do more and more research. And I was so floored because in the the gangs that I had been working with, it was like drugs and gangs and machismo and money and territory was their number one thing. With neo-Nazi skinheads, it had everything to do with hate everything to do with hate so if you weren't white and you weren't completely healthy you should be euthanized and sterilized and completely wiped off the planet Mm -hmm. i thought holy cow what is this so i do all this research and i come across this guy's website his name was tj Lydon. everything i had written about in my fictional novel everything that this guy had written about himself were in tandem the hero of my story was a real person wow 
back up, right? <laughs> so then on another part of his website, he says, oh, by the way, I'm looking for someone to write my life story. If you know of anyone, wow. have them call me. And I thought, how do I call this guy? Because he's going to think I'm nuts, right? Yeah. So I did. And um, he had a writer from Newsweek. And so I said, well, I won't write your story because you're real, you know? Yeah, so yeah. even though I'd spent all this time and had this dream and everything else, it was heartbreaking for me yeah. to put away. But I'm like, He's real, and he deserves to be honored. So I went to work on another book, you know, um, and he calls me up, and he says, hey, my writer from Newsweek flaked out. Are you willing to help me write this? I'm like, heck yeah, right? Yeah. So that was such an amazing wow. journey, and I was so honored and so delighted. And one of the things that I hadn't realized and hadn't known was that someone had make a, made a movie of his life and never gave him any credit. Like there's a very popular movie that was written about his life. 95% of it all had to do with him. Yeah. So he appreciated the integrity. And I didn't recognize it in the moment, but later mm -hmm. on, you know, I would come to appreciate that. So yeah. there was a lot of fundamental shifts that had happened in me as well. Mm -hmm. Like I just wasn't, I'm going to go do whatever I want. You know, it was an honoring of his story and something shifted inside of me. And then um, I heard this quote by Mother Teresa. And I was like, at the time, it was like, I know I have this, this um, fulfillment of my creation, but what is that? And I heard her say, I am the pen in the hand of a God who is writing a love letter to the world. And I was like, oh my gosh, that's me. Yay. Not Mother Teresa. <laughs> not Mother Teresa. Not anywhere close. <laughs> but that's me. Writing a love letter to the world, you know, the pen in the hand of the yeah. God. And so that was part of my mission statement that propelled me forward. And then there was a woman that read Skinhead Confessions, and she said, you know, I think if someone could take a story of so much darkness and create something of hope and healing, mm -hmm. it would be you. And then she said, I'm the daughter of the happy face serial killer. Would you be willing to write my story? And I just remember being in my little tiny office in Mountain Green and getting down on my knees mm -hmm. and at first going, what? <laughs> like, what? How do you write a story of hope and healing about a serial killer's daughter, you know? And I remember mulling it over and being very prayerful about it and then just receiving answers like mm -hmm. I had with the book, just, you know, with TJ's book, just receiving answers because she was one very extraordinary woman. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't about her father. It was about her emotional reaction mm -hmm. to being the child of a serial killer. And what do you do with that? Mm -hmm. And the stories that she told herself mm -hmm. for years is she stayed really, really small, right? Mm -hmm. So that it's just, you know, I feel like I've been led along to story, to story, to story. And mm -hmm. um, just seeing the dramatic power of that storytelling. And then what we tell ourselves is the most important thing. Like I mentioned before, because we believe those stories. Mm -hmm. So, anyway, you can't yeah. tell I'm passionate about that. Oh, I love it. And it's amazing to me because when you talk about your story and that that humble beginnings of not even loving yourself, even would you say hating yourself or just neutral? There, were, there was portions of me that absolutely, and it manifested in my body. You know, oh, that I would hate myself enough that I would eat myself from the inside out, right? Yeah. Infection and everything else. And so, yeah. And so to go from that extreme of hatred of self to the other extreme of unconditional, unlimited, 
full capacity of love for the world. That just created in you such a beautiful ability to reach out to all people. That you can you can meet them where they're at in their self hatred, and you can carry them through their journey to into love. Yeah, oh, that's and beautiful. and and really get it from that deep right. inner level. Yeah, and then also know what's possible inside of them because I have seen it. Yes. you know. But I will I will say I'm still my own worst critic. Yeah. I think we all yeah. always are <laughs> right. right? Um, and and that's good because it keeps me humble but um i still have to fight those voices oh, yeah. every day you know so just like every other human being on earth but when i win right <laughs> the the beauty that yeah. is possible you know connections between people and um so now i i see patterns i see patterns with people as they're growing as they're developing as they're aging um, I, I so fascinated by, you know, how the brain works and how we can rewire our brain. Mm-hmm. And so much has to do with the power of story mm-hmm. and retelling a different story. So honoring the past, like you mentioned, mm-hmm. because it's so important, like we shove it down. Yeah. If we pretend it didn't happen, you know, anytime that we've been victimized or anytime that we made lousy choices, mm-hmm. if we shove that down, we're essentially hurting ourselves because our our bodies are full of emotion, mm-hmm. which means to be in motion, right? Mm-hmm. And we're supposed to experience things mm-hmm. and then release and let it go. But we hold on to it. Mm-hmm. And then we hold disease in ourselves. And, uh, you know, we create the opposite of wholeness, right? Mm-hmm. But then in the involvement of things, what's so extraordinary is when um, we begin to tell a different story, we change our very DNA. And I've seen that, like I have interviewed people with split personalities, right? So one personality has blue eyes and another personality has a completely different color of eyes. And when I was talking with Deepak Chopra, he said, oh yes. He says there can even be different blood types and also different diseases that manifest in the body depending on who is the overriding personality. And that doesn't tell you something about... Yes. (laughs) About the stories we tell yeah. ourselves and how it manifests yeah. in our body, but also our energy field and what we take out into the world, you know, mm-hmm. where we hold ourselves. Because we all have like a space that we hold ourselves in, mm-hmm. especially for women, but also for men. We're always trying to see where do I fit in? Where yeah. do I fit in? And that has to do with the stories than the stories we tell ourselves about other people. Mm-hmm. And that's what I've been studying yeah. a lot lately as well, just because there's been so much division in our country. Mm-hmm. So much division in the world and people having to take sides, right? Mm-hmm. Well, I got to stand for something. So, it, you know, it has to be this side or this side instead of looking at each other and going, okay, so what do we have in common? What is really delicious about you? And what could I learn from your culture? And what could I learn about your belief systems and what you believe about God or about politics or about, you know, we go this Okay, she's different from me because she's got blonde hair. Mm-hmm. She's different from me because we have the same color eyes. However, you know, she's tiny and I'm not, you know. <laughs> so I could go into all these stories about how I'm different and set myself apart when actually we have so much more in common. To recognize those stories you're saying is is sometimes difficult. Like that's the first step is to recognize the story. In fact, one of the best things I learned in marriage is to say if we're going to have a fight (laughs) the best way to not have a fight is to say the story I'm telling myself is you know because many times most of the time even if I'm right 
it, it, it would at least tell him, oh, well, maybe that's true. But most of the time, it's really my own story. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? I'm putting my own spin on it. Like, uh, this is what... So when I'm very conscious and I can start that way, <laughs> it works out so much better, you know, but... It it's take it takes a lot of practice because you, to recognize that you're telling the story is is the hardest part. Yeah. But <laughs> but better and you know the more practice that you can have on it. I mean, and to even just drive down the road, you you do you you walk look at somebody and you don't even recognize this whole story you've come up with that person, and to to recognize the storytelling is right like road rage, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Well, he. And he, and he, right. and then all of a sudden, you know, fistfights. Yes. <laughs> and maybe we wouldn't necessarily do that. Right. But there's still that entire story of. Right. Yeah. And it shows up. Then it, then what happens, I think, is that, sh- that shows up. So you're at the mall, you see somebody, and all of a sudden you're telling a story about that woman. And then a week later it shows up because all of a sudden, oh, wow, yeah, I'm not that good. Da, da, da. And you're not even connecting the, the two. But you've created this, it's helped to build this persona of that's not true about yourself or or untrue about that other person. And then you build a defense to try and, you know. Yeah. And isn't it crazy? Some of the stories that we build in order yeah. to defend ourselves, yeah. right? That that I find is, is very fascinating too. Because yeah. it's so important for us to be in the right. Yeah. You know, and um, there's, there's a, a sense of ego. Mm-hmm. That is such a big part of that. It's because it's so dangerous for us to be wrong. Mm-hmm. So for centuries, the stories that we told ourselves is we had to be part of a tribe in order for us to be safe. Mm-hmm. So we want to be part of a tribe, and yet there's an inner battle going on where you know we separate ourselves yeah. from everyone else, and so there's always this war. Yeah. And the way to find peace is to move actually above the stories. Yeah. To move beyond the stories and go, well, that was an interesting story that I was just telling myself <laughs> how to write a novel. <laughs> That's fascinating. You bring that up. That is showing up a lot. Is that that? Yeah, we were just all focused on the tribe, mm-hmm. and now it it's kind of uh, people are trying to it's how to balance the individual and and not hate the tribe or mm-hmm. you know run away from it, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, because now, I mean, seriously, I could lock myself in a room yeah. and I could have absolutely no human connection and I could I could still survive. Like yeah. I could, you know, have food delivered to my door and have it be paid for and <laughs> right. the person walks away and I just you know, and I could completely isolate myself. And it that's possible today. Mm-hmm. It is also one of the the least healthy yeah. whole ways to live right mm-hmm. so anyway the reason i'm so passionate about story is honestly about the reconnection yeah mm-hmm. and it's also the most powerful way that we can teach each other mm-hmm. and learn from each other and it's the way that we've learned ever since the dawn of time yeah you know the stories on the walls and the stories around the campfires yeah but it's how we learn about each other and what i love about what you two are doing is that you're spreading more of a positive stories mm-hmm. and more of the truth about what's possible between mm-hmm. these connections yeah. of story and humans. And, you know, and we don't have to live the way that we've been living. Yeah. Right. And I love with your sheroes and, and those kind of things, you, I think that's one thing that's difficult is, um, yes, there's a need to, to, move above and beyond but but you don't fight that you know there's do you know what i mean and that this is a great book in in that example you know i mean she's 
fighting the cause, you're fighting the cause, but there's no fight in about it. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. How do you do that? <laughs> well, it's really interesting. I remember watching The Secret years ago, and one of the things that they had talked about is when you fight something, you actually give more power to it. Right. Because you're acknowledging it, you're putting energy towards it, and how Mother Teresa, she wouldn't do, like, an anti-war rally, that she would do a peace rally. And I thought, there might be something to this. And so I began to study what that was. And and what I discovered is, you know, um, uh, especially for women, so we'll just go into some goddess energy, if that's all right. (laughs) So So for women in in rising, because there has been oppression and there still resides way too much oppression in many areas of the world and often just inside of ourselves, right? Mm -hmm. The stories that we tell ourselves and how we've been raised and other things. And um, I saw what happened um, with God bless the women that said, I'm going to be kicked down the door feminist Mm -hmm. because they were part of this pendulum swing, right? Because here's what was going on and here's what, you know, what they felt they had to do. And so what I feel like is that what's possible is this love and affection and and ability to honor both sides, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. But um, one of the things that I saw is this, you know, so... The fighting against just gives more fight. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so what happens when we choose to simply take a stand? Mm-hmm. And I've noticed like these levels, I call them the levels of goddess, which is kind of interesting. But I see within within women this time when maybe they were victimized mm-hmm. or they victimized themselves by the stories they were telling themselves. So they're making some pretty lousy choices. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden they're like, wait a minute. I stand for more than this. So then they stand and they've got their sword and their right. shield and they become what I call the warrioress, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Like their throat chakra is on fire yeah. and they're like, I am really standing for something. Yeah. But then they've got their sword and their shield out. Um, and um, like Madonna saying, I'm going to blow up the White House, right? Yeah. <laughs> like that was her warrioress stance. Yeah. And it was because she finally came to terms with some things that had happened to her yeah. when she was younger. Mm-hmm. And that um, we were talking about, you know, throwing up on the page yeah. <laughs> when you're claiming your story, yeah. if you're writing it, but sometimes it just blurts out. But then there comes this deepening mm-hmm. of power when you've owned your voice and you recognize that so much more can happen from love. Mm-hmm. And so with Sheroes United, we are women who dare to change the world through love. Mm-hmm. And it's a concept that not everybody gets. Mm-hmm. And in in our time, some people even get really frustrated with us because they're like, why are you not marching? Why are you not doing these things? And it's because the fight is bringing more energy mm-hmm. to this other side. And it's giving people fodder for saying, you know, well, I don't want to be a part of that. Mm-hmm. And what we're saying is we're going to honor that. Mm-hmm. And we're going to honor this and we're going to honor this. And then what is so cool is um, what is happening between men and women when they actually come together in love. Mm -hmm. You know, we have our sheroes, heroes, but there's also, um, I don't know if I express this, but when we had a superwoman event in LA and I was standing next to Joey Buttafuoco Mm -hmm. and Joey had tears streaming down his face because there were several women that had shared their stories. And I don't know if you know much about Joey, but he had a really tumultuous past, especially in his treatment of women. Mm-hmm. And it was part of the stories he told himself and he grew up telling himself when his culture told him and everything else is that, you know, man has domination over women. She's, you know, part of a, of a um, 
possession more than anything else. But here he is, just tears, right? And he looked at me and he said, I've been working really hard on changing me. For the last several years, I've been working really hard on changing me, but I never understood the other side until today. Because he had opened himself up to listen to these women's stories, and it shifted him. It changed him. Now he's going to have a movie come out. There's going to be a lot of things, but I felt that fundamental shift in him. And um, I, I feel that for men and women, that that's what's possible. So even though... People don't always understand the power of love. Oh, we're going to tell you. <laughs> everywhere I look, everywhere I go, power trumps force. Yeah. It, it just does. It, mm-hmm. it trumps hate. It trumps manipulation. And I believe it will win. Well, and it, it's like we've had to fight for women's rights in a masculine way. Yeah. And that's not really our way. Right. And so to shift into fighting for what we believe in a feminine way shows up as love. Yeah. <laughs> because it's yeah. more innately who that's we are. That's who we are. Yeah. And that's our strongest force and our greatest power. And so that's beautiful. I don't think his tears would have come had it been, you know, they they told their story. They owned their story. I, I mean, I would guess, you know, they, yeah. they, 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 they didn't want to point fingers. They, it was their story. Yeah. Does that make sense? Exactly. And that's, that's powerful. Mm. That's where the power comes in. Yeah, and it's where it's where the mind will shift. Like they're doing, um, uh, what do they call it? AR or augmented oh. reality? That's yeah. what it was. I had I was thinking accentuated. No, <laughs> augmented reality. Yeah. And um, there's some pretty amazing people that have been putting like victim stories in that augmented oh, reality. Wow. So that someone who has been a perpetrator can put on these glasses oh and then see what it's like to be yeah. belittled, what it's like to be hurt, what it's like to be physically assaulted, what through it's like the eyes of, through the eyes of, of another human being. That's amazing. That's and amazing. it's something that they're seeing is helping to shift predators like faster than anything. Again, the stories we tell, yeah. right? Yeah. So it's just to me, I'm just fascinated. That is fascinating. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I could see that being helpful in a lot of different ways. Yes, most definitely. Wow. So there's a lot of um, horrific things that technology can be used for, and we know that. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of amazing things. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. Let's use the amazing tip. Exactly. <laughs> <When not? laughs> Let's do that. Wow. That's yeah. what we. That's what we're up. That's what we're up to. I know. <laughs> I have to tell you, my daughter called me the other day because she just, um, you know, there have been a lot of stuff on the news. And then in her own inner circles with some of her friends, mm-hmm. there was a lot of drama that was taking place between couples and, mm-hmm. you know, between individuals. And she was just in tears. And she said, Mom, I'm raising my son in this world. And she said, I'm really scared. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking about bringing another child into this world. Mm-hmm. And I'm really worried about mm-hmm. what's out there and what. You know what what is in store for him and I listened and I understood you know and I said yeah there's a lot of frightening things scary things there's a lot of of hard stuff out there yeah. I said but honey I'm gonna tell you there's a lot of love yeah. there's a lot of miracles there's a lot of connection there's a lot of beauty and when we put meaning to the suffering then all of a sudden we come out on the other side so much more empowered mm-hmm. and compassionate for one another I said, the things you're learning that you'll be able to, to gift to your son through your example, 
I said, imagine if he grows up with a mama that says, look at that miracle. I mean, wasn't that a beautiful connection? Mm -hmm. And you're telling him a different story than what the media is saying. You're telling him a different story than what maybe some of his friends will be seeing and hearing. And then look what an example he can be. Yeah. You know, so that's so, that's it. And that's it. Because without your shining of yourself in the mirror, you wouldn't be able to, it wouldn't work. Yeah. You have to have that part of this, of your own story in order for you to have compassion for the others. And so that becomes beautiful. Yeah. And, and holy. But it's hard in the middle. It's hard in the hospital room when you're dying, you know, and it's hard in the midst of the drama. But do you know what? Do you know what's going to save us? Is this, is that divine? Because what I can do as a woman, what's what's in my very nature is to stand with you in that moment, to be with you, to recognize we do that so well. Mm -hmm. We can show up for someone else. We can see that you're suffering and that you're not looking in the mirror when you can't yourself. Yeah. And if we could begin to do that for each other, if we can be brave enough mm-hmm. to show up for each other, that it'll switch everything. Yeah. It'll switch everything. And there's extraordinary men. Yes. Who oh, have, yeah, yeah, like yeah. you were talking about Jeff O'Driscoll and Jeff Olson and some people mm-hmm. that you've already been. Oh my goodness. Yeah. You know, because they're not afraid to be in touch with both their divine yes. feminine and their divine masculine. And there is a shift that's mm-hmm. taking place amongst a lot of people because yeah. of that. That's mm-hmm. part of this wholeness, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we hope so. Yeah. That's the goal. Yeah, yeah. balance of both. Yeah, for sure. And I think the the beauty when it all comes into balance, as we're striving for, is that within women is that masculine side too. We can't be afraid of our strength. We can't right. be afraid of our vision, for our sure. creativity, our ability to protect or defend. Mm-hmm. You know, that's part of who we are as well. And for a man to come into his um, sense of compassion and empathy, I mean, it just heightens all of the gifts to bring both the masculine and feminine together. Mm-hmm. It, it's like synergy that happens within mm-hmm. us. Yeah. <laughs> and we become more powerful as we can embrace both sides. And so for that to happen in the world in women, for that to happen in the world in men, and us come together in that way, mm-hmm. accepting all of who we are and enhancing all parts of ourselves, accepting each other. It's it's going to be amazing. Yeah, <laughs> it already is. And you're and it, telling the story. Yes, it's like yes. the stories. Teaching people how to see story yeah. is huge. That's the really a huge first step. It really is. I, and and I see that as you know, I work with populations of women coming out of human trafficking. Mm-hmm. or domestic violence or sexual assault or coming out of the military and they were assaulted by men in their own units, right? Mm-hmm. What I'm seeing is when they grasp the importance of their own story mm-hmm. and when they recognize how needed they are on the planet, mm-hmm. that their mess can become their message, their misery mm-hmm. can become their ministry, mm-hmm. right? And and there's a flip side too because there's some people that are like, I don't have an extreme story. Like I've never had any of these things happen to me. Does that mean I'm boring or I don't have any gifts? And I'm like, oh, heck no. You can be one of those examples of what is possible on the planet. There's so much trauma and drama and and other things that it's all around us. We need shining examples of 
what it's like to grow up in a beautiful home where there was no abuse, how to take that out into the world and pass that down to your own children, you know? It's just so extraordinary. Yeah. Mm -hmm.